0: Hey, this is Charles Lowry with FaithQuest. It is a great day to smile. Wouldn't you agree? And I hope you're having a great time. I hope you're uh, getting over that turkey coma from Thanksgiving and you had a blessed time with your family. I know we sure did. And uh, man, having a great time with that uh, grandbaby of mine. Man, people told me how awesome grandkids were. And uh, I just could not have believed it. You know, you just have to experience it. But what a blessing and hope you're doing well. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever dealt with depression in any way, shape, form or fashion? That's probably a stupid question because most of us have at some time or another. Matter of fact, we can go through scripture and we can find person after person after person uh, in the Bible that were even full of faith and full of God's favor that at some point or another, they dealt with depression. And uh, you know, I, I put something out there uh, this last week on Facebook for so some of you could maybe help me prepare for this. And here's the question I asked. I asked Could you share with me maybe some things that people have uh, shared with you in moments when you went and were dealing with depression and and they were very well-meaning and loving comments? You know, uh, we're not out to get anybody or blame anybody because you know what? Anybody who reaches out to us is a blessing, right? But sometimes um, people, they don't quite understand depression. And maybe they think we should just snap out of it or something. Matter of fact, let me go through a few things that you shared with me that people have shared with you while you were going through depression and it didn't really help. And maybe we can talk about why. And part of my motive and in, in even covering this segment is I want us to be very careful how we approach people because uh, I never want people you know, who already are going through depression And even anxiety, like we discovered last, where we discussed last week, to um, maybe feel like we're guilting them for being in that place they are. You know what I mean? And so, let me share some of the things that you shared with me, and um, hopefully, it'll help all of us, okay? Um, You know, I said something about snap out of it a while ago. That's something that somebody shared with me that, you know, somebody had just told them, hey, you know, you're depressed. Can't you just snap out of it? Just move on. Or here's another common thing or phrase people tell us. Don't you have enough faith? I mean, my Lance, if you had enough faith, could you just uh, move out of that depression? Or, uh, here's another one. You are blessed. You have no reason to be depressed. Or, get over it. Just get up and do things. Here's another one. Have you been tithing? I mean, seriously. I've heard that over and over again uh, throughout my ministry. And... um, you know, we get so hung up on that sometimes that we think that is the the uh, end all to everything. If you're tithing, your whole life should just be be perfect. Sometimes, and again, we're not bashing anybody. We're just trying to correct some things. Or how about this? Depression is a choice. Depression is a choice. Hmm. Um, or here's another. One. It's all in your head. Or count your blessings. Stop dwelling on the problems. Think positive. Sometimes people just give us the silent treatment. Oh, here's a hurtful one. Are you even saved? Or how's your prayer life? Haven't you prayed about it? Now, listen again. I'm not blaming anybody for um, maybe causing us to sink further down into our depression because, let me tell you something. When I first was started in the ministry, I know for a fact that some of these things on this list, I probably said to somebody at one time or another before I really understood how to minister to someone. So we're not trying to throw anybody under the bus. What we are trying to do is we're trying to discover those things that, number one, maybe aren't helpful. And we're number two. I want you to know if you've been in that place and uh, somebody has shared some of these things with you and didn't understand why you couldn't just pop out of your depression. I want you to know you're not alone. Okay. And here's the thing. It's not that any of these things are, are, are bad advice. Well, let's be honest, a couple of them are, okay? But most of these things that were mentioned aren't necessarily bad in and of themselves. Where we get into trouble is when we begin to think that when we're depressed, we can just snap out of it or it's our fault or it's a choice all the time, okay? We need to learn to give people grace and not really have an expectation for us to fix them. Guess what? We cannot fix anybody. We can't even fix ourselves. And I I think I need to mention this too. This is something that needs to be stressed in the Christian community. There is a difference between going through a season of depression and being clinically depressed. Sometimes there are chemical imbalances within us and it's medical. Now, just like we need to pray for all medical uh, things, for example, if we have a family member or someone that has cancer, we wouldn't tell them just to get over it. But however, we would balance it out. We would pray for them and pray for healing and expect and believe God to heal them, would we not? Absolutely, we would. But at the same time, we would give them the wisdom to seek medical treatment, right? So we need to know this. Sometimes people can be clinically depressed And we never, 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 listen, did I say never? We never need to discourage anybody from getting professional help, okay? Guess what? Charles Lowry, that's me, Charles Lowry has sought help. I have gotten help from, uh, received help from pastors, but I've also received help from medical professionals. And both have been a blessing in my life. So we never need to discourage anybody from getting help. Now that we've talked about a little bit of the problems, here's what we're going to do here in just a moment. We're going to go into dealing with depression and we're going to dive right into our resource. What is the resource here for at Faith Quest? We have one resource that is supreme above all others. We may use several resources, but our main resource here at Faith Quest is the Bible. We're going to receive some Bible answers today. So grab your Bible or grab your device, go to Psalm 77, and we, when we pick up here in just a minute, we're going to dive into Psalm 77 and see what it has to say about dealing with depression. hey here at faith quest with charles lowry we don't want this just to be a monologue we'd like this to be at least a dialogue so listen there's a couple of ways that you can communicate back with me you can always email me and by the way i'm going to give you my personal email it's chuck Lowry, that's C-H-U-C-K-L-O-W-R-Y at Ymail.com. Chuck Lowry at Ymail.com. You can always email me. Another great tool that I've put here is you can leave me a voice message. Look right there on your screen on whatever device you're on, and you can actually uh, just leave me a voice message. And if you'd like, I can even include it on the next episode and address maybe your question or comment on the next episode. Isn't that cool? And by the way, be sure and share this with your friends or family. If you think it may be a blessing to someone, that would be awesome. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button. all right here we are in psalm 77 hope you have found your place so you can read along as we go here and i want to show you basically three great truths. Now, these three truths are steps that I want you to learn because they've so helped me and they've helped other people throughout the years. Um, you can find these the same process in several other portions in God's Word. I think these are just basic uh, biblical truths. You see, what I'm trying to share with you are not things that it's going to be like some magic bullet for your depression. But I want to show you something There are going to be some basic tools that you can use and in using these tools, they're going to bring you closer to God. You see, what I have found out that in our struggles and our trials, when we begin to hand those over to God, we walk in intimacy with God. Matter of fact, I believe that's why God allows us to uh, even walk through some of these tough things like depression in life, because it brings us into a closer relationship with him. You see, it builds intimacy and dependency on on God. And so I really believe these steps are going to be great for you. There's this guy named Asaph in Psalm 77, and he's a choir master. And um, he comes to this place where he's really broken and he's really, I would describe the the feeling as depressed. I think this is classic depression is what we see in Psalm 77 uh, from my point of view. And so I want to read a few verses to you here. He says, In verse number one, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. Man, we see some deep truths here. And the first one is he is just being so real, open, honest. I would even call it raw with God. Can I ask you a question? Is that the kind of relationship you have with God? Or do you have this religious kind of thing going on where, you know, you approach God and and you almost put on a mask because you feel like God can't take the real you? I don't know how we learn that. I don't I don't think it's purposely taught into our lives. I think somehow by mistake, uh, we pick that up, that maybe um, God really can't handle our doubts, our fears, our anxiety, our depression, our real weak moments. And Asaph shows some great wisdom here, whether he really knows it or not. By just coming to God and being 100% completely honest. There's a few words that are used both in those first three verses. And I want to encourage you also to go back and read verses 7 through 9. Because there there are going to be some uh, great words that he uses there. But let me, let me go through and break down some of these. The word trouble is used. And that word trouble carries the meaning of when the walls are closing in on us. When we feel like almost like we're in this dark tunnel, you know, like it surrounds us. That's the way depression is, man. Matter of fact, one phrase says in that passage says, I refuse to be comforted. Now, that carries to me the meaning of you just can't find comfort anywhere. You know, you think, well, what I really need is a vacation. And you try to go on vacation and guess what? It's still there. You think I need to to go fishing or just sh- distract myself with an activity or whatever it may be to go shopping or or be with friends or to make it to that next holiday or or whatever, but it still seems to be there it just can't you just can't escape it. I think that's what the psalmist here was referring to when it says, "I refuse to be comforted," and it says, "A spirit becomes weak." And in all the honesty that's going on here is so inspirational because that's the way we need to be with God. We need to be that real and open and honest. People may have told you, well, it's disrespectful to come to God and tell him that you doubt Him or that you feel like He's uh, gone. Let me tell you something. Do you feel like you're going to tell God anything that he doesn't already know? God already knows that stuff. And it's a moment of truth and honesty. And God loves honesty and truth. When we bring those things to him, God's not going to get mad at you. He's not going to disown you. He's not going to turn the other cheek and he's he's not going to walk away from you. You can be real with God. I mentioned in those verses seven through nine, it talks about groaning, you know, and groaning before the Lord even, you know, that groaning, it could carry the meaning of this quiet sobbing almost, but could also mean, you know, this, this groaning as in a loud groan. The point is, Asaph here, he goes through this wide variety of emotions, and one thing that he did not do is he did not fake it. He came to God in, in sincerity and in honesty. He was real, and that's the kind of relationship God wants with you. You can come to him with everything. He's big enough he can take it. Now, I remember a long time ago, I asked myself the question: Well, I wonder why I have to bring these things to God? Because after all, if God knows everything, why should I have to tell Him? Well, let me use an example. Um, I, I may not be speaking to everyone who knows Christ, but. A lot of you in my audience, you are already Christians, you know, the Lord. And I want you to think back to that time when when you came to know the Lord, you confessed your sin, didn't you? The Bible says and uh, that, that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all right, unrighteousness, right? So what did we have to do in order to be saved? We came and confessed our sin. That word confess means to agree with God about. Now, when you confessed your sin to God, did you confess it to him because he was unaware of it? Absolutely not. God was very much aware of it. Matter of fact, he was so much aware of it that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for payment for that sin. So God was very much aware of it, yet he asked you to confess it. In other words, he asked you to come into agreement with him about that, right? He wanted you to be honest and open. In the same spirit of that, we are transformed when we confess things to God. In other words, you don't give God confession for his information. You give God confession for your transformation. Did you get that? You don't give God confession for his information. You give God confession for your transformation. Confession is powerful because it is a transformational act. And when you confess, God, this is really what's going on in my heart. Now you've positioned yourself to be transformed. And when you do that, God will not laugh. He will not scorn. He will not turn away from you. He will heal. So right out of the bat, Asaph does something that's very, very wise. He's honest and real open to the point of being raw with God. And God doesn't smite him. (laughs) Here's what God does. Look in verse number four, God begins to direct Asaph's thoughts. Man, that's what we need when we're in that place. It's birthed out of our thought life so many times. And so we need our thoughts to be redirected. Verse number four, let me get there in my Bible. If you hear my pages turning, that's a good thing. That means we're in our Bibles, right? So verse four says, You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. Man, what does it mean? You hold my eyelids open. Well, what do you do when your eyelids are closed? When your eyelids are closed, you do what? You go to sleep. And so it says he wasn't going to sleep. Now, why wasn't he going to sleep? Because who was holding his eyelids open? You. Well, who's you in this verse? Well, he's talking to God. So it's God. God is causing him to stay awake Well, I wonder why. Well, the answer is given in verse number five. It says, I consider the days of old, the years long ago. So God allows him to remain awake. And as he's laying awake, he begins to remember some days of old. And in the following verses, he begins to recount all the things that God had done done. Matter of fact, let me just skip down to verse number 10. He says, then I said, I will appeal to the years of the right hand of the most high. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. You know what he's doing? God's changing his perspective. You know, oftentimes when we hurt our perspective is is very, very limited. Let me tell you, depression hurts. Depression is crippling. And what it does is it causes us to to have a very limited view. Let me give you a practical illustration. You probably know what it's like to maybe use a hammer. And you're hammering away and you hit your finger. (laughs) Let's just say you had a headache during that time. When you hit your finger, are you thinking about your headache? No, not at all. You're thinking about the pain in your finger. That's where your attention's been drawn to. That's your perspective. It's been refined. It's very pointed. It's very limited. When we go through any kind of pain, really, our natural response is to be very limited in view. Asaph was hurting. He brought his very limited view to God in honesty like he should. And then God begins to respond by saying, I want to broaden your perspective. I want you to remember who I am and the good things that I have done. You see, it's all about perspective. I'm not saying changing your perspective is going to change your depression overnight. I'm saying it's a great positive tool. And if you'll begin to live this way and pattern this, your life like this, and let this be a rhythm in your life of being honest and keeping things in perspective, it will greatly help you with your depression. It's like this. If you decide to go on a diet and you eat one healthy meal, that's not going to change you forever. That has to become a rhythm and a pattern in your life, does it not? It's the same thing here. We begin to make these things and these spiritual principles a pattern in our life, and God begins to produce mental health in our life. It's a beautiful thing. We become our focus. You know, one helpful thing is I don't know if you ever thought about doing this, but make a blessings list. Make it a habit from time to time and to keep it on your desk or somewhere handy of the things in your life that you are blessed with because our mind naturally goes to those things that maybe we feel like we are lacking. And so we begin to hone in on we our attention begins to be drawn to those places of need in our life. And we on not really on purpose, it's really on accident, I believe, most of the time we don't focus on those things where God has shown provision. And so our perspective becomes very, very small, widen your perspective. So here's the steps that we're following. Asaph was real, open, honest, raw with God. And then he allowed the Lord to start changing his perspective. He slowed down and began to remember the goodness of God. I think it's interesting here that last week when we were talking about anxiety, that the great shepherd made his sheep to lie down. Now here... God is saying, hey, I don't need you to go to sleep. I need to keep you awake so I can remind you about some things. Isn't it awesome that God knows exactly what we need and He intervenes. Man, that's a beautiful thing. And then the third thing that I want to share with you here. Not only does God want us to be real open, He wants us to to direct our thoughts, but then He wants to produce this life of worship In our life, I want you to look at verse 13. He says, Your way, O God, is holy. What God is like our God. And then the several verses following that, even to the end of the chapter, and we'll look at a couple of them, he just pours out with praise and worship to God. That's miles away from where he was at the start of this chapter. You know, So many of us will look at somebody who's just full of praise when we're in that place of depression and we think, man, why can't I get there? How do you know they didn't follow these very same steps we're talking about? You see, Asaph just didn't jump into that place. He was open and honest with God. He allowed God to redirect his thoughts and giving him a better perspective and it produced this life of worship. Now, let me tell you, God is always worthy of worship, no matter what's going on on our, our life. But I'm telling you what, when we see God for who he really is, that's what produces worship. You cannot see God for who he really is and not be changed. My mind goes back to Isaiah. Remember Isaiah? He saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. And he said, woe is me. And he was changed and said, here am I, Lord, send me. You cannot be changed when your perspective is changed and or you cannot not be changed when your perspective is changed and you see God for who he really is. It will always produce a heart and a life of worship. Let me just read a few of these verses. Verse number 16 says, When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea your passed through the waters yet your footprints were unseen you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron recounting that great miracle when the waters were parted and God protected he led he guided his people and he's recounting this with praise and he's walking in this worship you see Worship needs, needs again, to become a rhythm, a pattern in our life. And I'm telling you what, just as God did in that account with his people, God will move heaven and earth to deliver you. You are that important to him. You are that important to him. I'm going to say it again. You are that important to him. God is a God of redemption. God is a God of restoration. Now, here's what we find. Asaph, in the start of this, man, he had this huge problem. And his view of God was somewhat small. Now, praise be to God that we don't have to have a ton of faith. You see, Asaph, he didn't have a ton of faith. But he had enough faith to say, God, I trust you enough to tell you about my problem and to tell you where I really am. And God took that and he began to transform him. And by the end of this chapter, he had gone from having this huge problem and a small view of God that God flipped it. And he has this huge God and this small view of his problem. See, his problem might have still been there. It's just as God was so much bigger. There's an old hymn that we used to sing. And it went like this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Isn't that awesome? As you begin to deal with your depression, I want to advise you to be real and honest. Even the point of being raw with God, he can take it because it's then that he will begin to change your perspective, let you see the big picture and lead you into a life of worship. And as you make that a pattern and a rhythm in your life, God will start to deal with your depression. Matter of fact, every issue of life. And He'll minister to you. And He'll walk you through this process of becoming more like His Son, Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful thing. Let me pray for you. Father God, I ask in Jesus' name that you would be with every hurt and pain represented by every life that's out there today. Lord, I pray that you would touch people at the point of their need. And God, that you would help us to know that you don't forsake us. You allow us to come to you just as we are. And as we do that, you will transform our hearts. I pray that nobody experience uh, bondage. Nobody experience rejection. No one within the sound of my voice would experience uh, despondency. That God, we would know that you're listening and through the ministering power of the Holy Spirit, you will be- begin to heal people's hearts in Jesus name. Amen. I really hope this dealing with depression episode has helped you today. If it has, uh, let me know. That's a tremendous encouragement to me because that is the only reason I do this is to try to be a blessing and help. If you have a specific question about some of the subject matter, um, please do me a favor. You can either hit that um, respond button where you can uh, hit me a voice message, hit me with a voice message or email me at ChuckLowry at ymail.com And I will be glad to respond Don't forget to subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. Thanks again. See you next time on Faith Quest with Charles Lowry.